Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two independent iOS developers. I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer from Leicester, England. And I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our independent journeys. Okay, so this week it is now post-dub-dub, post-WWDC. We've watched the keynote, we've had all the major sort of hardware announcements and that side of things. Um, As we record this show, all the sessions are going on and and all the information about the changes that's going to make um, for developers are coming out. Um, We thought we would do a bit of a recap um, of the keynote this week in terms of sort of going through the things that um, have been announced and kind of what they they mean to us and how they might affect our approach as developers and that side of things as well. Um, And I think I'm keen as well to um, discuss a little bit about in terms of reflecting back on last week when we kind of made predictions ahead of DubDub as well. Um, Dave, I've got our our handy little list here in ter- of the um, of the keynote items, mm-hmm. and first up on that list is a note for Amazon. <laughs> yeah, right. How was that? <laughs> that I mean, when they started the keynote, they said we have got six things to talk about. Yeah, um, and it's like number one, Apple TV, Amazon. Yeah. No, straight on to number two. It didn't really felt like it didn't feel like that warranted having its a whole number dedicated to it. Not <laughs> maybe, really. No, maybe they just said we got five things to talk about. Oh, and Amazon's coming to the Apple TV. It Next. was, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a very very minor point really, and it's not if you've got Prime and you really want Prime natively there on the Amazon TV on the Apple TV even. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That that's that's. Um, that says it all. We do have Amazon Prime, um, and we've um, we've been airplaying it to our Apple TV a lot in this house. Yeah, that's exactly how we do it. Yeah, uh, which yeah, it's not the, not the greatest. It's it's not the best of experiences, and I do find myself um, checking Netflix before I check Amazon Prime. Yeah, definitely the same. I'll I'll always sort of go to netflix first just because it's more convenient if i'm already in the apple tv with the remote flicking around it's a shame really because it kind of feels like the user's been held hostage yes by kind of board level executives at companies and yeah that, that was clearly a sort of a business kind of issue that held that up in in terms of amazon having a fight with apple yeah over various things and it's just like Come on, yeah, you, you, you've got users here that are having a really lousy experience. Just yeah. sort it out. It's, it's, it shouldn't have taken this long, not really. No, and it, it, all it did for me was make me think. Well, I'm not really sure I'm getting any value out of the Amazon Prime Video, you know, because it, it, it makes it have that bit more friction when I want to go and watch something. Yeah. So. Glad that they've sorted it out. I think that probably explains why it was point number one. That's probably part of the deal, you know. Probably managed, it was. Managed to get mentioned in one of the sort of premium spots for Apple announcements. So Didn't they say they'd also be included in, in the TV app? You know how there's that TV app in the Apple TV, but I think it's only in America. Yeah, so that, that means it would be listed in the search results, right? Yeah, and that mean that kind of puts it uh, a rung above netflix in that sense because i don't think netflix will go in into the apple into the tv app right um that's interesting so from one extreme to the other yeah (laughs) yeah it's just also fragmented isn't it that's what that's what bugs me about it i'd I'd almost like someone like apple or some other company i don't it doesn't have to be apple um just to go to all the all the content providers all the streaming services and just white label the entire lot, put it under one name and charge me X amount for it per month. Just, yeah. I don't know, say £40. Almost, almost like a Sky TV subscription, if you think of it like that. Yeah. Um, and and just give me all the content, let it be indexed and searchable. And I, I don't like having to jump between these kind of silos of content. No. And, and I can I th- see... 
that, that you know the TV app goes some way to remedy that. But then when you get a big player like Netflix that says, "Oh no, we're not going to get on board with that," it's it just becomes messy. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to matter what they do at the moment. There's there's still going to be that sort of element of fragmentation, um, and it is frustrating because it doesn't really help the end user at all. It doesn't um, serve the user in the slightest, does it? No, I, I do seem to remember when when the Apple TV. Um, the latest Apple TV was released that that white labeling was part of the original rumor um, sort of ahead of it being released. And then the impression I got was that when Apple tried to go into those discussions, they, that it didn't really get anywhere. And so the Apple TV that we have now is kind of the, the result of them trying for that in the first place and, and not really being able to get everybody on board for a sort of white labeling um, type of setup. Oh yeah, because there's all those rumours of like Eddie Q going into meetings um, with TV executives wearing like a like a Hawaiian shirt and sandals and shorts, and they're all done up in their suits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know how true any of that all of that is, but that's that's what I remember. And um, yeah, it's interesting that you know maybe Amazon coming in line here is you know a start, if you like, towards. Um, the other sort of bigger players doing it that bit more as well. Yeah. Um, yes. It, it's all kind of a bit late in the game, but it, it's, it's the right, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And I yeah. think we're nearly spending longer on the Apple TV than Apple did. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Apple watch. Yeah. Um, so new faces, new, new faces for the watch. Um, was a thing that was announced. Um, I've got to be honest, I didn't really get a huge amount out of the announcement for WatchOS 4. No, I didn't. Um, I, I listened um, listened back through our previous episode and you were sort of saying about how um, the watch could really sort of enhance the experience around the f- home and that side of things. Um, and I have to say, when I sort of saw some of that not really being there, um, I was a little bit disappointed in some ways. I thought the Siri face was a uh, kind of a nice idea. Yeah. Um but I don't like the fact that to get that functionality you have to have the Siri watch face. It's not like you could choose um a complication <coughs> a complication and kind of drop in that Siriness into a complication on a different watch face. No. Um, it's its I, own I thing, isn't the, it? I forget what it's called now. The modular watch face is the one I use quite a lot. So I've yep. got quite a large complication in the middle of the watch screen. Um, so that would be quite nice to have that kind of seriness dropped into into that. But it but, looks like you just have to use the Siri watch face to get any of it. Right. Um, I kind of like the... It looked like the UI had kind of changed a little bit in in terms of like these kind of cards... Yeah, and, and we saw that in in the Siri watch face, and I think we saw it again in the music app, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, I kind of like that. I think it makes almost like the touch targets a bit bigger as well, because that's something I struggle with on the watch. Is that I often hit the wrong thing. Yeah, the honeycombs in oh, particular kind of highlights that, doesn't it? So, Absolute nightmare. Um, I was reading an article earlier on today that suggested that you could actually kind of get rid of the honeycomb now with the new UI. Um, you could certainly sort of do do without it and just stay in the cards, I think. Um, again, not sure how true that is, but yeah, I'll be quite happy to not really bother with the honeycomb at all because mm. I currently don't. I've got, I've got my favourite apps and I just sort of tap, tap through those. Oh, in the dock? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, when I was watching the the keynote, I felt really glad that I wasn't the one having to demo on the Apple Watch because it, <laughs> it, it it looks so fiddly when you see yeah. someone on stage, especially if you're on stage at WWDC. You know, you, you're going to be nervous, and you got got to demo this piece of functionality, and if you tap the wrong thing, it's going to look so bad. So I was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so glad that's not me. Because even when it's just me, just sat sat at home, I'm always hitting the wrong button constantly. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I thought it was kind of cool for the fitness side with the the fact they can link to gym equipment. Yeah, uh, brand new gym equipment. I brand think. new gym equipment. 
So yeah. chances of seeing any of that in you know local gyms around where I am, I think, is a long way off. Um, but three or four years from now, it's going to be a brave new world. Yeah, um, I think I don't really use the fitness side of the Apple Watch that much. Which begs the question: Why? Why do I have an Apple Watch? Because <laughs> that seems to be the one of the main directions they're taking it in. Um, I, I like the whole rings thing. Yep, it just gives me a heightened awareness of whether I've moved a lot in a day. So I might choose to take a walk if it's become clear that I've been sat on the computer all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, I, that's kind of as far as I take it really. So I, I kind of kind of begin to switch off a little bit when they talk about the fitness features too much on the apple watch i still still think that they are they are missing that sort of wider cell with the watch in some ways um and i think i think you were right in terms of like sort of how it could be really quite useful sort of with with home kit and that side of stuff and there was a little bit of that i do remember seeing something about how you could activate some of your your presets from the watch. Oh, oh, the scenes. Yeah. And I think that was in the Siri watch face, wasn't it? So it yeah. kind of intelligently work out based on, you know, kind of context, time of day, things like that. Um, it, it, was, felt, it felt like a baby step towards kind of my broader uh, vision, if you like. <laughs> vision sounds like a terrible word. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah. I've, I was found it very interesting how... Um, actually how Siri was being mentioned and that sort of became apparent with the Siri face and that sort of part of the, the keynote really um, in terms of Siri's kind of the sum total of any machine learning or sort of AI that Apple does, you know, is it's the face onto that um, when it's done by the OS. They sort of seem to be referring to, to Siri in that kind of, that kind of way. Um, I know there was a bit later on with um, some of the machine learning and, and f- like face recognition and that side of stuff in, in photos. Um, well, I'm sure I heard that intelligence referred to as, as Siri. Um, okay. I didn't pick up on that. That's interesting. Yeah, and I need to play it back again a little bit. I, I was making a couple of notes as I was watching it, and it, it did just sort of strike me that um, you know, Siri as just the voice agent um is is not really the case it's it's Siri is the face of the AI and the face of the machine learning that's going on um that that seemed to be the message i was getting um from from the commentary in the keynote itself i'm going to have to rewatch it now and look out for that <laughs> <laughs> um so i suppose we've got macos coming up next yeah high sierra high sierra mm Felt a bit like Snow Leopard to me. I thought he was joking when he. Yeah, I did. Because in previous years, he, uh, Craig Federico, would kind of say, "Oh, yeah, we sent out our crack marketing team to so and so, and they." I think one of them they said, "Oh, yeah, they were going to call it Sea Lion or something," and everyone laughed. And he goes, "Oh no, we're not going to do that. We're going to call it this instead." Yeah. Uh, and he kind of he was kind of presenting it in the same way, and he said like, "Hi, Sierra," and. I kind of expected him to go, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to call it something else. But then it just was High Sierra. I was like, huh, okay. That's a little weird. Um, He dad joked us there. Yeah, he really did. But I'm kind of glad that it's having, you know, Mac OS is kind of having a boring year. Mm. I I think in the the greater good, you know, lots of under the hood refinements, that, that could be great. I've got no problem with that at all. Um, yeah, the improvements to Safari is nice and things like that. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I think just taking a, a slower year in terms of putting out features might not be a bad thing for the OS at all. No, I'd agree. And I, I think that's um, also quite apparent in some of the technologies that are going to be coming with High Sierra as well. Um, the sort of focus on being able to support... Um, External GPUs was was one thing. The sort of VR kind of focus that's happening. Um, we we'll kind of get to that, I guess, as we talk about some of the hardware. Um, but the groundwork for that is being laid out by the OS. You know, that's coming along with 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 some of the the um, 
some of the graphics technologies that are within the next OS and the, the frameworks and everything to support that. Um, so yeah, I would sooner that High Sierra kind of nails all of these things and we don't worry too much about changing the the UI and the broader feature set. I'm okay with, with Mac OS sort of staying static in that regard. Mm-hmm. One thing I picked up on watching the State of the Union was that High Sierra will be the last release to allow 32-bit apps. Yep. So the next Mac OS will be a lot more aggressive um, in terms of uh, warning users about not running 32-bit apps. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of kind of good. So I guess there's quite a lot of zombie apps that are still running in 32-bit. Yeah, I think that also lets them um, kind of naturally part ways with some of the the older frameworks and things as well. Um, not on this version, but on the next version, sort of post High Sierra. Mm. Um, so it probably helps provide a level of sort of clearing house a little bit as well. Oh, and um, my my MacBook hasn't been cut off. No, I was surprised by that. I was sure I was going to get cut off this year. So <laughs> the the old MacBook lives lives to fight another year. Is that a um, maybe? I was going to say, is is that a, a yay or a? Uh, I don't have the reason now. I mean, G- GPU panics aside, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that probably brings us into um, to talking about the MacBooks. Yeah, uh, I'm confused. So this is about the 12 inch MacBook, the, the the baby MacBook, the MacBook adorable. Yeah, so everything that I wanted to happen to that MacBook happened to that MacBook. So now it should be great because I've I've gotten exactly what I asked for. Yeah, speed bump, extra memory. uh, Yeah, and also they've put in the second-gen keyboard that's found in the latest MacBook Pros. Okay. So the keyboard's had an enhancement as well, which is nice. But then they went and put the 13-inch MacBook Pro slash MacBook Escape at the same price as it. Right. Since so did that come down in price then? Yeah, they dropped they dropped the 13-inch MacBook Pro uh, with, without the touch bar yeah. to be the, to be exactly the same price as the 12-inch MacBook. Okay. So That's interesting. <sighs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> I so, I would probably have to go for the pro, I think. Yeah. Just just knowing that I'm leaving all that extra hardware on the table if I didn't get the pro. Cuz I mean let's let's be honest it is a much more capable machine hardware-wise. Yeah. In what it can do. Um So yeah, I'm kind of in a bit of a dilemma about that. But what was more interesting was that they um the MacBook Air continues continues it, to go on. It lives. It's it's the MacBook that will never die. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Um, I, mean, I, I don't really care about the MacBook Air these days. Um, in terms of of any machine that I'm likely to try and sort of get for myself. Um, but um. It does interest me that it sort of still keeps going. It's still a computer that they've they've got. Um, it must be just so they can hit a price point. I think it is, and and I, and I joke about this, and I've joked about this with you before, but I describe it as being the the Mac Mini of the uh, the MacBook lineup. Um, I kind of think it is there to sort of help people switch into the ecosystem. Um, that's a price point thing, and it's a you know it. it it's not the Mac you're supposed to want. No, um, it's really not. And you could tell that from the keynote slide in that when they had the picture of all their MacBooks lined up yeah. from the MacBook Adorable through to the 15-inch Pro, you, the MacBook Air was not present at all. And it only got a very brief mention in that, oh, and it's got a megahertz bump or, or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, I think that you should get rid of it um, just because... I I find it a very confusing product line, especially with the with the MacBooks that are that are now with us, because the MacBook is more of a MacBook Air 
than the MacBook Air is. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's thinner and lighter. It's thinner and lighter. It's more of an air. And then you've got these MacBook Airs, which are bigger and heavier, and they don't have retina screens, and, and they just, I think they kind of confuse you know, consumers when they're looking at their purchasing options. So I think if you have MacBook and MacBook Pro, you put Pro on the end of the name, and it's pretty apparent to you know a, a regular user that okay, so the Pro does more in some way, yeah. And the MacBook is the more consumer model, and then you have the Air thrown into the mix. It's like, well, what, what, what's this? It's it's kind of more of the MacBook Air. It's not thinner. It's not lighter than the MacBook, but it's called Air, which yeah. kind of presumably means it should be thinner and lighter. Um. I don't know. I feel like they're almost damaging their image. I think so. But I think if, if you, well, I, I don't think they're necessarily damaging their image as such. I think it is, it's there. It's still something that is for sale, but I don't think it's anything that they're really pushing. You know, it's kind of, it's almost there for the, 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 in the Apple store moment where when somebody sort of goes, ah, that's still too expensive for me. Uh, well, they do still have that one. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I haven't um, been to an Apple store in a long time, so I'd be interested to see now how they're laid out. I don't think the Airs are really on show. I think they're very similar to how the Mac Mini's been sort of sidelined and disappeared. Because normally you've got like the, the tables that kind of run up the middle of the store, and then you kind of got like the side benches that run along the walls, or well, yep. certainly in the store that I go to. And it's almost like you get the more obscure products on kind of the side benches. Yeah. So maybe they kind of put the MacBook Air there now. I don't I know. I think they they were there in in my local store in Leicester. Um but I think that's now where the iPads of various sizes are and then I think the machines they've got down that side at the moment are actually the iMacs. Um and then for a while up until recently they did have a trash can Mac Pro at the very end. <laughs> Speaking of iMacs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they they got a good bump out on the keynote, didn't they? Yeah, so obviously regular iMac got a spec bump, KB Lake CPUs, brighter displays, faster SSDs, kind of, you know, the, the, the usuals. Um, but then they mentioned the iMac Pro. Yeah. And I really want one of those. So we're talking about there, it's got, what was it, up to 18, 18 Xeon cores? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, but starting at $5,000. And that's with the 8-core, right? Yeah. So this is the Pro machine that they were making while everybody was yelling at them for not updating the Mac Pro. This is the machine they were designing. Um, yeah, I mean, this is clearly what the Mac Pro was going to turn into. Yeah, because the insides of it have been completely redesigned. The thermal... Um, sort of guy the you know the thermal side of that the fans and everything on the inside is is a complete redesign compared to the normal iMac um and it's clear that there's a lot of design that has gone into it so i think this is very much the route they were going down this is the machine we were supposed to be sort of gearing up for um and so it's interesting to me in terms of okay the the iMac Pro looks like a phenomenal machine. Um, it sort of makes me wonder whether a modular Mac Pro really matters in some ways. Um, and that sort of lands December this year. In the meantime, the modular Mac Pro is sort of being worked on, and I think we can assume that might be an announcement this time next year, potentially. Yeah, yeah sort of sketch out. Yeah. Yeah. Too close to December, it's going to potentially cannibalize some of those iMac Pro sales much later and then it looks like they're not really living up to the promise of it that they made earlier on this year so it is that that interests me in, in sort of against the iMac Pro you know in terms of where where this modular Mac Pro might now kind of sit I mean if you can contrast it with a uh, an 8 core Mac Pro trash can <clears throat> yeah I mean that's getting on for $5,000 yeah but then with the iMac Pro, you kind of get the 5K display thrown in for free almost if you look at it like that. So I think in terms of value for the for the dollar, 
pound in our case. I, I know it sounds a lot, but five thousand dollars is that's that's going to translate to five thousand pounds to us, isn't it? Yeah, they're they'll, they'll, they'll just change the currency symbol. I'm sure they will. <laughs> Pretty much, it seems to be yeah. the way it's working. Yeah, um, um, which but, is a but, lot for a computer, whichever way you spin it. It is, but we're we're talking about workstations now. These are machines with with very specific jobs. Um, in terms of, you know, you will use them in in three D graphics and video processing and that side of things. Um, and then there are still the regular iMacs as well for sort of more general purpose use. And obviously, I'm sure those calls will work very well as well for compiling code. So there's a developer use there, but um, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether I would really need 18 calls um, just to run run Xcode. No, I I don't think. I- I could. It would definitely be an indulgence. Yeah. Need versus want here. Yeah. Massively. I'd love to see what price the 18 core comes out at as well. <laughs> lots. I, I lots. lots. What, what? What do you reckon? Twelve thousand dollars? Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, it's going to be pushing ten thousand or more, isn't it? I mean, that's a that's a small car, brand yep. new off off the lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think we can agree it's very, very shiny. Um, it really is with the sort of space gray finish on it. It does look great, doesn't it? It does. Um, but, uh, I think that's going to remain a machine out of reach for my sort of use. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think I can easily stay on the regular IMAX for the foreseeable future. Yeah. But uh, it 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 does it does sort of say to me this this is where they were going and um, I, c- I oh. kind of wish Apple could have just given a glimpse of it in some manner when when the sort of Mac Pro arguments were at their their, their height. Um, I'm not sure it would have changed very much though because I do remember the argument being oh well they just want to get everybody onto iMacs, um, but it would have been interesting to have seen more at that point in time against the sort of narrative that was going on. Yeah, it, I think the Mac Pro has always been kind of the machine for the 1%. Yep. And I think now that's going to be even smaller with the iMac Pro. Be- because really, I think a lot of people that would maybe have bought the Mac Pro could happily get by now on an iMac Pro. Yep, and if they were kind of at the end of their upgrade cycle anyway before, I can see a lot of those people just going straight for the iMac Pro in December. Yeah, it kind of concerns me a little bit about the the heat that could be potentially generated. Almost like, the, you know, fair enough, the iMac Pro, you know, it can work. Yeah. But it's kind of being pushed right to the edge of that kind of thermal envelope. Whereas if you had the same hardware in, a, in say, the new Mac Pro, it, it would have room to breathe a bit more. Yeah. So for for the longevity of of the iMac, that would maybe be a a thing that I would consider when weighing up whether to go iMac Pro or Mac Pro. Yeah, I think it's um, it's going to come down to how long you sort of expect to be using the machine for as well. That's basically what kills computers overall, isn't it? It's heat. Heat, um, yeah, in general. Um, it's the case of whether you think... If you're on a three-year upgrade cycle now, for example... I think the the iMac Pro being the price point that it's at, you've got to start thinking more like four to five years. Um, yeah, in yeah. terms of you know, for, for for a lot of people, if you're a company that has got that sort of money and that is a workstation computer, then maybe not. Um, but you know, if I was to be buying one and that was going to get me through however many years of, of development um, here at home, then I would be wanting to get five years out of it. I think. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how they how they hold up, really, um, because they are going to get quite hot, even even with the thermal envelope stuff. Yeah, um, it's one it's one of those where time will tell. Yeah, and if you're an early adopter, then unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that's the risky take. Um, so what was next? iOS eleven. iOS eleven, yeah. 
Um, anything particularly that leapt out at you? Because there's a few things for me, I think. Uh, I think I liked the the app draw in Messages. Not not yeah. because I'm a huge fan of using iMessage apps, but just the fact that I think at the moment they're really hard to discover. Yeah, they're buried. Um, I was quite happy for that because obviously I've, I've had an iMessage app um, for sale now since last October. And I, I've sort of said before, it's not done very well. And some of that for me, I think, has just been the nature of the, the iMessage store itself. So I kind of hope by having the app draw and that improvement, that potentially improves the viability of iMessage apps a little bit. Um, I don't think it will majorly change the sort of state of, of that, but I think it could help. Um, so that was quite cool. Um, the iMessage in the cloud I thought was cool as well. Because I often find when I go back to my Mac, it will say um, on my lock screen, uh, messages, 10 new messages or something. Yeah. But of course, I've already read them on my phone. So yeah, it's that's, not really fully linked, is it? That's, no. So, so that's, a, that's a nice touch. Um, um, control center looks cool. Um, so that's, that's been quite redesigned, hasn't it? Yeah, it looks, I don't know, it just looked a little bit awkward to me. Yeah. Not not in terms of functionality, just in the way it looks. Just that kind of mo- mosaic effect, I suppose. It just looked a little bit... Maybe just wasn't what I was expecting. Um, no, I was going to say, it did sort of surprise me a little bit. Um, and I do find it a little odd in terms of how sort of modal it is as well. Um, whereas, you know, the, the current one does just sort of slide over stuff and you can still kind of see what's going on. Um, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how that one evolves over the uh, the betas this summer, I think. Um, because perhaps there's, perhaps there's still a little bit of tweaking that they can do there. Mm. What did you think about the uh, app story design? Um, I think that's a big deal, actually. Um, I still don't sort of feel like I fully understand ex- exactly what that means, sort of as an indie. Um, because I, I, it feels to me like because it's so heavily curated with the categories that it's got, um, kind of felt to me like App Store optimization might be getting a little bit more difficult. Um, and that, you know, from an indie point of view, that, that really does kind of put us in the, uh, in the zone of having to sort of think more about things like search engine optimization and sort of getting the word out about our apps separately from Apple, if you like. Speaking of search engine optimization, It'd be good to know if they're going to make any adjustments to the search on the App Store, mm. um, because that's it's it's not good at the moment, is it? No, um, just in terms of of how things rank and how they they, they sort of get in the way. Um, yeah, so I, I, I would love to see significant improvements there. I mean, to give you an example, I did a search the other day for my app. I forget what I typed in now. Um, Cody Remote or something into the App Store search. Yeah. And it ranked a an app by Kodak, the camera company, higher than my app. Because I think it looked for the K-O-D in Cody <laughs> and matched that to Kodak. I was right. like, oh no, why have you done that? <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. and any improvement to get rid of strange behaviour like that—that that, that yeah. would be fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I was really reading the the changes that are being made there correctly or not. Um, in terms of my sort of take on it being more difficult potentially to to get seen. I don't know if that was something you saw saw with that. It seems like there's a much higher weighting on being featured now. Yeah, because if if you get featured, it seems like you get featured a lot more. You get more prominence, um, and just the general design. I I think it means that, um, from what I saw of it anyway, it means that maybe like less apps get shown on the screen at once. Yeah, just just due to the nature of the the, the design. So again, 
makes getting featured all that more important. Um, well, but I thought real... it was cool how they split the games out from the apps. That was quite cool. Yeah, I quite like that. Um, that sort of seemed like a, a logical change, really. Um, it's, it's interesting. It sort of ends up... Um, what I noticed, actually, looking through um, the new app store um, on an iPad today, um, was that actually some of the, the search in there and the way the results were showing on the, the this iPad Pro that the beta was installed on... Um, kind of reminded me of the search results in the Mac app store in terms of how they listed. That was, that was a bit, <laughs> bit, bit odd. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot to watch out for with the app store redesign sort of from an indie perspective. Um, and I think that's something we, we could perhaps explore a little bit more over the next, next few months as the betas sort of keep coming. Yeah. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah. So it's going to be, of significant importance to us, I think. Yeah, and I, I think what you were saying about you know being featured, having so much more value, and there's no real how to get featured. You know, um, there's not really much of, of a guide for for that. Um, so that that's it's going to be quite interesting to sort of see how people come up with different strategies to sort of get featured and get that prominence. Mm. So you just mentioned the iPad. Yes, I did. <laughs> I like it. I I I really want the ten and a half inch iPad Pro. That was a bit of a wish fulfillment there, where I saw that um, everything that that, that they've sort of done there, um, the new CPU, um, it's faster to charge, the better display. Um, yep, I think I'm going to be getting one. You got your iPad. I did indeed. I thought the ProMotion um, was quite cool. Yeah. yeah so was it, so. it runs at 120 um, hertz. Yep. But it's, it scales it up and down depending on what, what's actually being displayed. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. I like that a lot. I think that was cool. Um, I thought the um, what surprised me was the demo from Affinity, the Affinity Photo app. Yeah. Because um, I remember... I, when we were saying, wouldn't it be cool if the iPad Pro could be used as a graphics tablet and sort of hand off content from the Mac to it? And I think a few shows ago, I, I may have used Affinity Designer as an example, saying if I could hand off an artboard from my Mac to the iPad Pro to be worked on with the pencil. Yeah. Um, so really, it's almost they've gone in the opposite direction. They've actually made a fully featured iPad only app. Yeah. With the pencil. So that. I wouldn't say it's disappointment to me, um, but it it was certainly wasn't the direction I was expecting. I'd be interested to see how well that app um, sort of communicates its project files back with the Mac version. So yeah. if it does that at all, um, I'd kind of expect it to, I guess. Mm. I thought the guy demoing it was fantastic. Yeah. As a speaker. Yeah. Because um, normally very- when you get... You get people from other companies that come on to do a, a quick demo. Normally they're very nervous and very, you can tell they're not up to scratch with the Apple presenters. Yeah. But I thought this guy was brilliant. It just really it, struck me. I've seen him on a lot of um, how-to videos for Affinity on their Vimeo channel, I think it was. Right. Um, where he, I think he was demoing a new version of Affinity Designer, kind of sat at his desk and, you know, he was great in that. Um, but then to see him go on stage at WWDC, I thought he absolutely nailed it. Yeah, he he blended very well against the sort of rest of the um, presentations, didn't he? Really, mm, very much so. Um, I I think sort of talking about the iPad, um, the iOS 11 improvements for the iPad, I think are brilliant, um, and I think that's that's just sold me all the more on sort of getting getting the iPad Pro. Yeah, so what they've basically made it kind of like the Mac, <laughs> <laughs> but not quite. So it's um, got a dock now. Yeah, it's got kind of expose. Yeah, and it's got a Finder. It has a, a files program, which is not quite Finder. <laughs> <laughs> it is your nicely sandboxed take on Finder. Hmm. Um. 
The drag and drop looks interesting to me as well. Yes, that that did that did look very nicely executed. I thought. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, a lot of apps can um, use it out of the box. Without, yeah. If you're using kind of standard controls. Um. You you get a lot of the drag and drop for free, as it were. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, watching the State of the Union, they said that text and web views already just fully support it. Yep. Which is really cool. And the UI text field has got it. Yeah, and then there's uh, some new delegate methods for table and collection views so that they can support it as well. Right. Um, What I thought was interesting, you know when you um, sort of hold down on an app and then they all start jiggling around for you to reorder Mm. them? Yep. That entire system has been rewritten using yes. the new drag and drop APIs. Yep, I was uh, playing with that earlier on um, on this iPad Pro. Um, it is really quite cool. Yeah, no, it, it it does look really nice. I'd like to use it in person actually to get a, get a good feel of it because it it struck me when, especially when you wanted to have multiple items being dragged and dropped so you'd kind of hold with one finger and start tapping with another yep there's a little part of me that thought oh that looks potentially a little bit awkward it actually feels quite natural that's um, what i thought i, I, I felt I, I kind of thought i have to maybe trust apple a little bit here because i'm sure they probably wouldn't have done it if it felt awkward um and it looked like the presenters demoing it were they they were either making it look really easy or it just was easy. That's kind of how I took it. Um, I'm, I'm biased, but I would I would favour the latter. Um, it seemed to be, you know, really quite a natural thing on on the on the one I was playing with today. So, what, what iPad were you using today? That was, um, I believe, the first iPad Pro. What the twelve point nine inch? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Cool. So um, this this was at Swipe and Tap, um, and Aaron there had. Um, had the beta installed on his. Um, so do, yeah. Do you know how far back all of this multitasking and uh, stuff will go back to older iPads? It goes back, I believe, as far as the Air Two. Okay. Um, on the older nine point seven inch, and all of the iPad Pros, and the Mini Four supports split screen as well. So I'll assume it it supports all of this. That's my iPad Air app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you'll get some of the sort of like um, you. I think you still get the dock, and you still get some level of the expose, but I don't think you get the um, being able to drop things side by side. Um. Mm. But, uh, no. Oh well, say Libby. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. But no, I think iPad users have. And iPad enthusiasts have got a lot of reasons to be very happy. I think this was a very good WWDC for them. Yeah, and and it's interesting to me because I, I mean we've touched on this before, but I have plans for a while to sort of make um quite an iPad specific version of my video mixing app. Um, and I think this just sort of gives more ground towards that. Really, um, it sort of shows me that yes, Apple is still investing in the platform overall. Um, and that sort of, you know, gives me that indication. Yes, it is a good idea to be making that app. I did, I did feel slightly, maybe angry isn't the right word. Um, but I can't think of a better word right now. So I'll stick with that. Just when it was being announced and like, you know, you could hear the crowd applauding and going wild. I kind of just felt like, you know, the iPad has always been pitched as the future of computing. And here, here we are kind of taking ideas that have come from the Mac, which is, you know, decades old now. Um, they just felt a little bit... <laughs> I, can't, I can't quite put my finger on how I felt, but I just... Almost... A slight level of disbelief, in in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. It's um, It's a bit odd. In terms of, like you say, it's, it, this sort of stuff is not necessarily new. Um, but then, 
there is the other side of it that is, you know, so heavily touch orientated and that take on stuff is quite new. Um, yeah, so I suppose it's kind of implementing it into the way that the iPad is used. Yeah. That's probably sort of making, where making the challenge things, was. Making these things feel native and natural, I think, is is kind of quite a challenge as well. Yeah. I I'll still stick to my MacBook, I think. I can't I can't see myself buying into the iPad. E- even with even with this new announcement, I still I still don't think it it's for me. I'd love to be proven wrong. I'm not I'm, I'm I don't want to be that kind of stubborn person that rules it out forever. I would love to be proven wrong and I would love for the iPad to be something I get genuinely excited about. Um I still, I just don't think it's there for me yet. I don't know. I feel a bit weird about the HomePod. Yeah. Um, yeah. How so? Um, I kind of like it, but I'm not sure why. Um, hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, I I was looking at kind of my setup for the Echo that we've got. And how it started out was I had a Panasonic sort of mini hi-fi system with the dot attached to it. Yep. But it kind of meant that it wasn't always on because um, you have to obviously turn the hi-fi on for the dot to be, you know, any usable really. Yeah. So... And also the amp always buzzed really weirdly whenever you turned it on. So you could say, well, just leave the amp on all the time. But then you just have this constant buzz. And that was really annoying. So now I've switched out to one of these old Technics amps from, yeah, like the, you remember like the separate systems where you get the amp? Yeah, so it's kind of like one of those I found in the loft. So now I've got that hooked up to my speakers with it on all the time and it doesn't buzz. Then I've got this little dot put on top of it. So if you look at it, it looks like a real kind of hodgepodge of stuff mashed together. Yep. So when you kind of add all the cost up of all of that, you're not far off of a HomePod. Yep. Which is what they reckon about £349 or so. Yeah, so it's $349. So we can, again, <laughs> expect yep, it to be that in pounds. Yeah. Um, so on that basis. I think it could be really good. Um, and initial kind of uh, responses from the press seem to be that it sounds really good. Yep. And to me, it looks really good. Um, and I like the fact that you can integrate with HomeKit with it and there's you know, potentially stuff there for it to grow. Um, it's essentially, you know, a, an Amazon Echo. Um, that sounds good from what I can gather (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and no screen which is interesting Um, yes I I was expecting a screen yeah um, I still think there might be I wouldn't rule out a device kind of resembling that um, the the device that was being rumoured and I still kind of think that the idea of of having CarPlay come to a sort of static screen on a, a speaker device um, could be quite a good one, mm. um, but the the design of the the HomePod to me, I, I actually found it quite appealing in terms of how it looks. Yeah, um, I loved it. I thought it looked great. And for me, it's it's quite interesting, sort of thinking about how um, you know the the old Apple, if you like, that was the 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 comeback Apple when when the iMacs first happened back in the late 90s you know the bondi blue um and all of that um that apple for me had a sense of of whimsy um you know and sort of been quite quite literally colorful and playful um and i think devices like the home pod to me are kind of expressing some of that whimsy now in in a roundabout way i don't know if that makes sense to you but was that maybe through the use of the fabric or yeah, yeah, just sort of different materials and that that kind of aesthetic. Um, you know, it, it's um, 
the speaker is something that can be really quite utilitarian and you know the the home pod um yeah I, I quite like the design of it it's it's not too stark and it's not too over the top in some ways either it's it's you know quite an interesting design i can um, see there being loads more colors in time yeah. as well yeah um yeah. so yeah, I, I mean would i would i buy one i don't know not given that i've got my echo set up yeah even as weird and convoluted as as it is um <laughs> I would certainly like one though. It's you know, it's whether I would stump up the money for it that that's what would stop me. Yeah, it seems like they're competing with you know in the high end space. So yeah, that yeah. might kind of stop me a little bit. Just just the price of it. Yeah, I would say the same here, really. Um, but I do think that by the time they sort of either come down in price or I decide that actually I am going to spend that much money on on a speaker. Um, that I do feel like the experience of it is probably going to be quite fun, and mm. that's that's interesting. Um, you know that that to me does sort of show that this really is it's just really is showing elements of of that sort of Apple as well. Um, and I've sort of felt like that was quite a good thing, really. Okay, that just about wraps up today's episode. If you've enjoyed the show, we would love for you to give us a review on iTunes, or if you're an Overcast user, it would be great if you could recommend us by hitting the start button. Also, we'd like to add now that we have our very own Slack channel, so if you'd like to join, that would be great. Our hope is that it can be a really cool place for developers to come and hang out and get to know each other. If you'd like to join, there'll be instructions in the show notes, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter, at WFR Podcast. So Dave, before we head off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads with a Z. Um, and you can find my applications at RoboHeads.com. That's again spelt with a Z in RoboHeads. How about you, Dave? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Dave Not. You can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com. And you can find my latest app, which helps kids learn to read at spacereaders.com.